finding your seats, that would be great. Great. Again, just a welcome to Jubilee. Uh, my name's Dan. I'm one of the uh, leaders here at the church. It's a great privilege to be with you this morning. Thank you for braving the roads, the whole marathon. Um, I think it's worth it. Do you think it's worth it, braving the traffic? I think, isn't it amazing, though, that we've got a bit, like, our building is bang in the city centre. We asked, we felt, when we came, we felt um, God wanted us to be a beacon of light to the city of Hull. And, um, and what better place to be than if you draw a circle around the centre of Hull, us and McDonald's are about as central as you can get. Um, so I think it's worth bearing with the traffic a couple of times a year, bearing with the road closures. Uh, we don't often get a lot of warning, um, unfortunately, but we bear with it because this is an amazing facility to have. So thank you for coming out. Um, welcome back to some of our students. Hello, students. Great to have you back. Hope you had a great summer. Take time to go and find out what they've been doing, uh, find out what they've been doing with their summer, check in, make sure they've been doing a bit of work over the summer. So just go and check in with them after the service. Uh, it's great to be uh, teaching for a series, uh, looking at um, our values within Regions Beyond. Regions Beyond is the, the group of churches that we're a part of. And we're just teaching through each of the, the visions, uh, the values even of Regions Beyond. So you can get an idea, we can understand together what it means to be part of this group of churches. We've not been part of this group for a long time. They're still part of New Frontiers, which we've been part of since the beginning. But this is a new journey for us as a church as we uh, work out what it is to relate with churches from across the world. There's churches within regions beyond from so many different backgrounds, so many different places. And we're working out what it means to be part of a church, what it means for our identity. So we're teaching for each value. Um, if you want to, in the, uh, in the corridor, you'll find a blue booklet which has got all the, the values listed. Uh, so they're all on there so you can go and look about what it means to be part of regions beyond, what it means for us as a church. And today, um, we're going to be looking at the value that we are, uh, it should come up now, thrilled and motivated by grace. Uh, and I want to do things a little bit differently to how I normally uh, preach. And I would like to tell you a little bit about my story. And, and my hope is that um, as I speak, that we would all leave um, utterly amazed at who God is um, and what he's done for us. Maybe even for the first time, you don't know God or you don't, you're not amazed right now by what he's done. My hope is that as we enjoy sausage rolls and sandwiches upstairs, we'll be walking around just amazed. God, it's amazing. Your grace is amazing. So that's the plan. Um, and I want to do that by telling a little bit about my story. So I don't know about you, but um, I want the easy life. Um, I want my food to be fast. I want my catch-up TV to be instant, I want my clothes to be non-iron, and I want my car to have cruise control. It doesn't, I want it to. Um, as humans, we do all we can to have as easy a life as possible. Who likes having an easy life? Yeah? Um, for many of you, life has been anything but easy. Uh, but for me, my story is one of, of fair ease. I was born on the, the 12th of May 1987 in York, 
um, to Michael and Elizabeth Fryer. Um, I was the second child, and um, there's a picture here of me and my... I'm the one... I'm not the one in red, okay? <laughs> this is me and my sister. She's two years older than me. Uh, five years later, we were joined by my brother. Um, uh, at an early age, um, I was born in York. We moved to Nottingham at an early age. Um, my dad was training to be a, to be a vicar. And we then moved to Hull uh, after his training had finished. And my childhood was a good one. Um, I had a loving, supportive family. Um, I, I, most of the time, I was a pretty good boy. I did what my parents told me. I, uh, I did well at school. I, um, in most part, my life was easy. Um, I was brought up around church, and I had no doubt that God was real. However, I didn't have a personal relationship with him. However, at 15 years old, I realized the need for Jesus in my life. Although from the outside, my life had been fairly easy, and from the outside, it looked like I had everything together, I knew how broken I was. I knew that the things that I fought, I knew the things that I did when no one was watching. And then I heard about that there's a perfect God, and I just knew I'd messed up big time. And there's, there's no special revelation God didn't speak to me one day in some special revelation because it's exactly what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells a story of God and his relationship with his people. It tells us that from Adam and Eve, since that time, every one of us has chosen to walk away from God and be disobedient. The Bible tells us that such act brings about the punishment, and that punishment is death. Since Adam and Eve first chose to go their own way, we have all done the same, and we've placed a, a barrier between us and God, and we're deserving of death. The, the Bible is not an easy read. It's difficult because it spells out the mess we are in. Just as at 15 years old, I realized, oh man, I'm a mess. It says in Romans 5, by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. So from that moment, from Adam, death has been in control. But the Bible not only tells us the predicament we are in, it also tells us the solution. It tells us how Jesus became man. He came to earth. He lived as one of us. But the difference being, he lived a perfect life. Where we failed, he succeeded. And that meant that he could go to the cross and die on our behalf to take the punishment we deserve on himself. This is the story of the Bible. This is the gospel. And it says in Romans 5 verse 6, God shows his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I had heard the stories of Jesus throughout my life. I had been through years and years of Sunday school. But suddenly, God opened my eyes to exactly the situation I was in and my need for him. And so one day, as I listened to someone preach, very similar like this, from the Bible, I made the decision to give my life to Jesus, to accept the sacrifice he made on the cross was for me, and to choose to follow him. By the grace of God, I was saved. And the same grace that I saw has been seen by many people in this room. Many people in this room have chosen to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they have been saved by grace. And that is incredible news. And that means that when we say, as our value, we are thrilled and motivated by grace, what we mean is we have experienced the love of God in our lives. We have chosen to follow him, and we are utterly amazed by that. My favorite definition of grace is from a, a writer called Philip Yancey. And he says this, 
Grace means there is nothing I can do to make God love me more. And there is nothing I can do to make God love me less. I found that in Jesus, he fully accepted me. No matter what I had done in the past, he showed his love to me. The grace of God saved me. I was heading to death and I didn't get punished. And instead, I got the free gift of life. And that's what grace is. I didn't deserve any of it. Romans 5 says, For if, by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? It doesn't say those who are deserving reign in life. It doesn't say those who attend church or do good works reign in life. No, it says death reigned over all of us. Death was in control, but through the gift of Jesus, we now reign in life. It doesn't say we have earned any special favor or that God owes us an easy life, but it was a gift from God. It frustrates me sometimes as Christians when we kind of complain to God about how our life is. God, why are you doing this? Our life, the fact that he lets us live is a gift, a gift of grace. I was chosen by him, not because I have something to bring, not because uh, he's going to use me in some amazing way, not because of my skills and my abilities, but because he loves me. And the same is true of you today if you're a follower of Jesus. You didn't persuade him. You didn't persuade him to save you. He he didn't save you because he needed you. He saved you because he loves you. So as a Christian, I believe a Christian should be the most confident yet humble person on the whole earth. Confident because we know we have received life through Jesus and through him we reign in life, but humble because we know we have done nothing to deserve it. If you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, later on we're going to spend some more time in worship. And that invitation for you to come to know him will be given again then. And it doesn't matter if you have had an easy life, if you have had a hard life. If you think you've lived pretty well or you feel you've made a horrible mess of it. We all are in need of God's grace and he offers it as a free gift today. So at 15 I was saved. Grace saved me. I made the decision to follow Jesus. And I had such excitement about what life with Jesus would look like. I don't know if you had the same if you've chosen to follow Jesus. That moment you decided to follow him, just such excitement. What is it going to be like being a Christian? People would come along and encourage me with the verses like I read from Romans 5 about reigning in life. Um, Or the 1 Corinthians 15 says that God will give us victory. Or Romans 8, we are more than conquerors. And the Christian life seemed a pretty good choice. I like that. I'm going to reign in life. God will give me victory. I'm going to be more than a conqueror. Jesus would now transform my life and life would be rosy. My experience, I'm sure your experience, is very, very different. I desired moments when I felt like a winner, but so often I felt like I was losing. I knew I'd been saved by grace, but I definitely didn't think I was reigning in life. Other Christians around me seemed to be doing pretty well, but most of the time I I barely thought I was getting by. 
Maybe grace was enough to save me, but reigning in life is for better Christians. Remember, I had been around church all my life. I knew what it was to be a Christian. So when I chose to receive Jesus into my life, um, I knew I was accepting a free gift. But now I thought, well, maybe it's about now keeping God happy and keeping those in church happy. I set myself a few rules about what being a Christian looked like. I don't know if any of you have done this before. But I set myself a few rules about what success as a Christian would be. So on my list was things like, I was going to pray every day. Um, I was going to read my Bible. I was going to tell all my friends about Jesus. I was going to tell a random person on the bus about Jesus. And if you've played sport or a board game with me, you will know I am very, very competitive. So I thought, I am setting myself up to win. I am going to be Dan Fryer, super Christian. (laughs) But in fact, I was setting myself up for complete failure. Because what I had done is I'd forgotten about the very grace that had saved me. You see, grace isn't a one-off gift. It isn't just a one-off moment when you accept Jesus into your life, but it is a gift you need every day. I made it about what I could do to please God and keep him happy rather than what he has done for me. It was like God had given me a free gift, but now it was about paying him back, earning his favor. It was like God was at the top of the ladder. This is a longer ladder than it looks right now. God is at the top of the ladder, and I just think, well, it's about now me doing things right. So when I pray, step up the ladder. I get a little bit closer to God. Or then I I keep up to date with my Bible notes. It's the 2nd of January. I'm reading the Bible in a year. I'm back up here. I witness to my friends, and I'm, I'm, I'm nearly there. But then the problem is, as soon as I make a mistake, when I fall asleep, when I'm trying to pray, you know that when you start, you think, I'm going to pray tonight. The next thing you know, it's seven o'clock the following morning. I'm back down. Or when someone says to you, what did you do at the weekend? And you list everything and just happen to miss out the fact that you went to church. Just because you, oh, I wonder what they'll think. Or it gets to the 4th of January and my Bible notes are still on the 1st of January. I'm sure none of you have done that. And suddenly I'm back at the bottom of the ladder. I'm far away from God. And to add to that, I'm also feeling guilty. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) I'm saying to myself, I'm more than a conqueror. The fact is, I feel like a loser. I'm not doing this Christian life well, and it was hard work. There was a constant sense of I was missing the mark. And just to rub it in, everyone else seemed to be getting it but me. I ended up giving up on living that life because I was trying to please God, and I knew that I could never do it. I still went to church, I still appeared to be following Jesus, but my heart was far away. I was living a life which did not glorify him. I had received grace to save me, but then forgotten that it is grace that sustains me. It was never ever about my performance, but it was always about my position. It wasn't about living up to a standard, but it was about my identity as a child of God. We sung it today, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. I am adopted into his family. There's a parable that Jesus tells of two sons. And it tells of one of them who goes off. He disrespects his father. He walks away and he takes his inheritance and he wastes it all. He makes a complete mess of his life. 
And finally, he decides he's going to go back home to his father. And despite all he has done, the father runs out to him. He embraces him, he welcomes him back in, and he takes him back into the house as a son. He is a son, and his identity as a son is more important than his performance. And the thing about grace is it seems ridiculous that no matter what I have done in my life, I can receive forgiveness, receive a new life when I choose to follow Jesus. It's almost embarrassing. You know, you can't make God love you more today by your deeds. Nothing you will do when you leave here will change the way he sees you. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, then God does not see you through your imperfections. He sees you through Jesus' perfections. And that means that we never stop needing God in our lives. Jesus doesn't promise us an easy life. In fact, in Matthew 16, he says that if we want to follow him, we've got to pick up our cross. The cross that leads to suffering and hardship. Becoming a Christian does not mean an easy life. In fact, I'm probably going to, I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to make your life worse. It is. It is. It's not, I'm not being a salesman. If you're not a Christian here, if you choose to follow Jesus, your life is going to be harder. But I tell you what, in following Jesus, you will find satisfaction and fulfillment like never before. So as I struggle with the tension of my expectation and the reality of of following Jesus, I got frustrated by my lack of progress, my failure to meet the standard. And as I did that, I started to find the need for grace every day to sustain me. 2 Corinthians 12 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your strength. No one going to call me out on that? Weakness. He doesn't say his, strength, his power is made perfect in my strength. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The writer, Paul, knew that grace was something that you never move on from. You never tire from the sustaining power of grace. You never get to a place where you think you need to earn God's favor or think it is about you and your performance. We could never meet God's perfect standard, but he loves us anyway, and he demonstrates his love by giving his son Jesus so we can experience that grace. We need that same grace every single day. Every day I mess up, and I need to come back to Jesus for forgiveness. And the strength to go again. And every time I approach Jesus, I find he has grace afresh for me. That definition again, I'm going to repeat it because I love it. Grace means there is nothing I can do to make God love me more. There is nothing I can do to make God love me less. It's not about me. It's all about him. And if you're switched on today, you might see the potential to live life as you want to do as you want and still be loved by God. You might think, well, what is the point in living as Jesus Jesus tells me if he's going to love me anyway? It's a good question to ask. Well, not only does grace save me and sustain me, but it also transforms me. When we read the Bible, we realize how far short of God's perfect standard we fall. 
We realize our need for a savior, and in Jesus we find someone who took up our punishment on himself so we could experience new life as believers. Some Christians only get this far. And then they make it about themselves. They make it about appearing holy so they can try and please God or like he's going to be impressed by our efforts. I was like that. However, if we know grace is the thing that we need every day, then it begins to change us. You see, when I realized that God loved me and would love me no matter what I did, how I acted then I, I could have misunderstood that as a license to do what I want and disobey God. That's what the Bible says calls sin. And in fact, sometimes I did. I remember as a young guy at university, I found freedom in living away from home for the first time. I loved it, but I also found it was a place full of distractions and temptations. I wanted to follow Jesus, but it was really hard. I wanted to be a witness to my friends and to the campus, but I also wanted to blend in. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to enjoy life. And it meant for the most, the way I acted was no different to those around me. I was going to church, yes, but sometimes I was even going to church with a hangover from the night before. I was leaving church and I was meeting up with my mates and nothing of my behavior would suggest that I'd met Jesus. I knew what it was to experience grace, but I wasn't living in the good of it. And I definitely was not being transformed by it. I was meant to be reigning in life, remember? I was meant to be more than a conqueror. But it really felt more like I was a church imposter. If you've ever felt that before, everyone else around you like, oh, if only they knew. That's why I felt a constant sense of I was only one moment away from being found out. But Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, I have come, this is Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus didn't come to make us feel guilty. Jesus didn't come to make us feel like we're missing out while everyone else is having the fun. He didn't come so we could get a get out of jail free card so we can live as we want. He came to bring us fullness through grace. He wants to transform us from one degree of glory to another, as it says in 2 Corinthians uh, third chapter. So when we find grace, we don't accept the gift and then think we can carry on as we want, returning to Jesus when we feel guilty or need a hand. Romans 6 says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were, there, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Do we carry on disobeying? Do we carry on sinning? Of course not. We were once dead to sin. It was our master. It was in control. But we now have a new master. And his name is Jesus. And rather than leading us to an eternal death, he gives us new life which lasts for eternity. The passage tells us that we are raised so we might too walk in newness of life. God, by his grace, started to change me. I remember going to church 
And every Sunday, it seemed like the person preaching was speaking directly to me. Every week, I found myself broken as God stripped away all the rubbish in my life as he showed me how he wanted to transform me. I would walk home from church every single week feeling like I've done 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. I was in a small group where I had people who would encourage and challenge me. I was in relationship with people who would ask difficult questions and hold me accountable. Jesus was on my case, but not to make me feel guilty or terrible, but so he could transform me. We are saved by grace. We are sustained by grace. And we are transformed by grace so that we can live lives that glorify God and see his name glorified across this world. It's not about grace making me look good. It's about grace making God look good. People should not look at my life and say, wow, he's an amazing guy. They shouldn't. They should say, wow, he follows an amazing God. I started to realize that I had been saved by grace so that I might be joined with Christ. So I could follow him and be changed by him. And as I spent time with Jesus, I began to bear fruit. Jesus tells us in John 15, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. By the grace of God, he began to transform me. I started to change. I started to experience fullness of life following him. Does that mean that I was suddenly perfect? No. Every day, I need forgiveness for the mistakes I make. But I look back now, and I I am so thankful for God's transforming grace in my life. You know that Jesus loves you as you are. There is nothing you can do to make him love you more, but he also loves you too much to let you stay the same. If you feel like Jesus is on your case trying to change you, that's a good thing. That is a good thing because he is in the business of transformation and we rely on his grace. As we do that, we will be changed. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is this, 2 Corinthians 3. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit if you are a follower of Jesus then you are being changed to become like Jesus that is where we are heading by the grace of God in our lives it is wonderful news and then he invites us to participate in the transformation It is possible for us to follow Jesus, but then resist change. It is possible to accept Jesus and then carry on living a life of sin. But when we truly understand grace, when we truly understand that Jesus has come to give us life to the full, then anything less than surrendering your life to his grace and allowing him to transform you is a waste. I want to be someone whose foundations are built on grace. I want, to be some, I want to be part of a church who is amazed by grace. I want to be a church that walks around with a constant sense of awe because, what, of, because of what Jesus has done. Every time we wake up and take a breath, thank you, God. Every time we take something to wait, thank you, God. I want to be a church, part of a church that is so full of people who are so confident in our identity in Christ, but so humble 
because we know we have done nothing to deserve it. Because then we will live our lives in a way where we will impact the world with that grace. Every relationship we will, are in will be affected by that grace. We will love without an agenda. We will, lo- we will invest in relationships not because of what we can get out of it, but because of what the grace we can bring to it. We will forgive continually. We will give our time, our money, our energy generously. We will put others first. Not because we have to, but because Jesus has given us everything. And out of a response for what he has done in our lives, we want to glorify him and we want people to see how amazing our God is. And that means we don't go for the minimum. Please, 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 as a church, let's not go for the minimum. Let's not go for, we'll, we'll just do enough. We'll just do it. We'll give enough. We'll invest enough. No, no, let's, we don't go for the minimum. Our destiny is to do good works. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance for us to do. I'm not saying burnout. I'm not saying we work so hard that we burn ourselves to the ground. I'm not saying that we serve through gritted teeth. But we are enthusiastic about our good works because we have met and been changed by Jesus. Grace is good news. Is it? Yeah. Grace is really good news. Grace saves us. That's my story. Grace came into my life and it saved me. Then grace sustains me every day. And then grace transforms me. And you know what? I know where I'm heading. So when I think I'm making progress, I know I'm becoming like Jesus. I know when I get it wrong, his grace sustains me. And I know that if he can break into my life, he can do the same in anyone's. He can do the same in your life today if you don't know Jesus. I wonder if the band could come and could we stand together? Don't rush away from this moment. I don't know about you, but when I, um, when I get reminded of grace, and um, I've been constantly reminded this week as I've prepared, it just makes me want to get on my knees. It makes me want to just say, God, you're wonderful. You're incredible. Um, that you would choose me. You would choose me. You would, you would handpick me out, not because of what I do, not because of what I bring, but because of how amazing he is and how much he loves me. And there's only one response. There's only one response when we hear about God's grace, and it is to worship him and surrender our lives to him. As we sung earlier, he is worthy. And as we worship, I just want you to take time just for that, to, the realization of grace to impact you deep in here. <laughs> Deep in the heart, as you realize that God has saved you, it should create a heart of thankfulness. As you realize God sustains you, it should create a sense of awe. And as you realize God wants to transform you, it should create a sense of surrender. So we're going to worship God together. We're going to sing of his goodness. We're going to smile because it's good news. And if you've got children upstairs, you're gonna, could you go and get them now? Because we want them to be part of our worship. We want them to engage with with God as well. So please do go and collect them. Bring them back in. Let's worship God together. Is he worthy of our worship?
Is grace amazing? Let's worship him.